Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Undying Light. I am Alex, your host, and today, this morning, well, this evening, because we're recording it at night, but you know how it is, uh, we're going to kick on with another episode in our Attribute series, and today, as is going to kind of be the theme through this series, I have an amazing guest with me. And uh, me and this person are going to walk you through their topic, their favorite attribute. And uh, I hope it's edifying to you. So uh, without further ado, uh, Katie, would you like to introduce yourself? Well, that was a pretty, I don't know about amazing, but that was a pretty good introduction. Thank you. (laughs) Um, I'm Katie. I run the account The Berean Millennial on Instagram. And yeah, I just like to take things in culture and put them against scripture. So I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah. You know, thanks for coming on. And, you know, know, as I've kind of telling everybody that I've gotten to record, the whole premise of what I'm really aiming to do with this is to just get people's perspective and have a conversation around these attributes because they can be some, you know, extremely deep topics. And um, I've read a number of books on the attributes of God in uh, not just in preparation for the show, but just kind of in my walk, because I find the character and the nature of God to be just fascinating. Right. And so what I've really tried to do is kind of take that down from the academic level and make it so this is conversational for just anybody listening and for the guests who come on that they don't have to have a a degree. You don't have to read nine books to be prepared. Um, (laughs) I, then I, I definitely wouldn't be. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think you texted me today, and I don't want to throw you under the bus for it, but I oh, said, "Hey, no. you're, <laughs> you said you are you ready for tonight?" And uh, I said, "Are you ready for tonight?" And you said, "Yeah, I really haven't done much prep." And I'm like, "Neither have I. It'll work out just yep. fine." Yep, it'll so, be just fine. <laughs> you know, just and fine. I think that's the amazing thing is, um, it, it's really just picking apart what you are interested in and then just kind of, I don't want to make it like an interview, but you know, it's definitely a easygoing uh, conversation. So uh, what attribute did you decide to go with tonight? So I chose to pick the faithfulness of God um, purely because I've just seen him be so faithful in my own life. Mm -hmm. I'm truly a testament to, um, he who began a good work will finish it because he began a good work while I was young. And then I definitely strayed pretty hardcore for a little while um, throughout, I'd say high school and college. And then he really um, drew me back in and pulled me back in by his grace and faithfulness. And um, so I just really see this attribute of God's character in, in my life. And then also in the life of people that I have come alongside and discipled and kind of evangelized too. Um, so anyway, I, it's really neat to see. And then 
of course, looking through scripture, it's written everywhere. You can see all throughout scripture, God's just faithful, faithful character. And, you know, he never breaks a promise and he sees everything through to the end and perfectly. So Mm -hmm. that is why I chose it. Yeah. And the great thing about this is, as I mentioned, these attributes can be profoundly deep and, and yet we can make them, I don't want to say profoundly simple, but, uh, the simplicity is an attribute of God, which is another amazing feature that we can have these conversations and just really talk about how faithful God has been to us. Um, and one, one thing you you said when you introduced it and you don't have to really dig into it too deep if you don't want to, but I'm, I'm curious at how you measure his faithfulness from, from your, your life, because you said that you strayed hard in high school and college, but came back. I mean, can you kind of fill in a little bit of that, uh, that, that time period or just to really show how he brought you back? Absolutely. Um, so I was raised in a, you know, your typical Southern Baptist Christian home. Um, my parents are Christians. Um, they've, they've grown exponentially, um, pretty much along with me. I see a lot of growth, um, in more of my adult years, but, you know, I was raised in a Christian home, raised in a solid church. Um, but I just didn't have, I had like your, your average typical Southern Baptist, what's popular in life way, um, knowledge of God. And if you're not digging deep into scripture, then you don't really know the God that you, you know, claim to love and serve. I understood my sin. I understood repentance, but if you're, if you really aren't digging in the word and seeking God and you don't have a foundation of the word, then you don't have, you remain a baby, right? A, an mm-hmm. infant that is starving for milk. Yep. Um, so I was basically an emaciated Christian um, until by God's faithfulness, I always really genuinely wanted to seek God and, and go hard after God, but I just didn't know what to do, where to start. Um, but I always had that heart to do that. So once I met my husband in college and I attribute a lot of this to him, he was a new believer and was really running hard after the Lord. And so we decided together, you know, let's really seek Christ together. Let's really dig in. So we did. And by God's faithfulness, we got married right after college, like a month after college. (laughs) And my husband, um, we were restaurant franchisees and we got placed in a town far away from home, far away from friends, from anything that we knew and just kind of moved there together and literally landed in a church that was the most solid church I've ever been to in my whole life. And still to this day, they're the most solid pastor and his wife. She's the, the, she runs the women's ministry. She's not a, she's not a woman pastor. Um, that I still learn from them weekly, even since we've moved back. But he placed us just by his grace in that church where they taught theology. We took apologetics classes. We got like very close to getting our Institute of Biblical Studies degrees there. He taught things on a college level course and we just soaked it up like sponges. Um, we, we just stumbled in really. And it, it ended up being like the most solid church that to this day I can think of. Um, so he grew me in those three and a half years we were there exponentially, Mm -hmm. um, to where I'm still learning from them today, still keeping close contact. In fact, I'm having the pastor's wife on my, um, Instagram live in a few weeks and, Anyway, he was just very faithful. So since then, um, he really, God really gave me those legs, um, to, to walk in the meat of scripture to really, you know, hinge my beliefs on to where I can trust God and understand God better and his character and who he is and the, the true weight of my sin and his character. So that was really, really cool that he did that. And now I can pour it into my own family and children and there's growth in my family. So it's really cool. Yeah. That, that's a, that's a fantastic story. And, um, interestingly enough, 
uh, I don't want to say similar, but some of the timelines and, and the way things happen are pretty close to mine. Yeah. Um, and I've never really spoken my testimony. I, I don't really care too much about it for the sheer fact that it's not my, it's not the gospel. Right. And, you know, there's that saying from R.C. Sproul that your testimony isn't the gospel and people get right. bent out of shape over it. I think it's funny, yeah. but. Uh, and people you know, do. And I also think just because someone has a radical testimony, everyone thinks they should now follow them immediately and set them up as a teacher. And we see implications of that all the time. Yeah, um, absolutely. Well, so, yeah, tell me a little bit about your testimony. If you don't, you just said you don't want to go into it, but I would love yeah. to hear. No, so um, my my dad worked for the state of Illinois and was a correctional officer and got transferred to this uh medium security prison like in the middle of nowhere middle of illinois and okay so we moved there when i was in fifth grade and we moved to a small town about 20 minutes from where he worked and this town literally is like 500 or less people maybe 400 has half a stop sign i think (laughs) <laughs> and maybe a downtown uh it used yeah. to be a used to be a big farming community you're you know like back in the the good old days right those are long gone now uh my in-laws actually still live there and that's where i met my wife so i can't hate it too much but uh so they at least had an, a decent girl and half a stop yeah that sure. is that is definitely <laughs> true so, that's the faithfulness of god uh, I, that is i got that good country girl out of there yep. so but nothing uh, better so she, her and her family grew up in the church and, uh, I didn't, I didn't go to church, but the funny thing is, is this town, 500 people has three Lutheran churches and they had one Methodist church, which the month we moved burned to the ground. Wow. And, yeah. <laughs> and my dad's Methodist. So right. he's kind of like, uh, okay. <laughs> yeah. So. We, uh, my mom wanted us to kind of go to church every so often. So we were the creasters. We'd show up on Christmas and Easter. And then, uh, I had friends, her, uh, their dad was the pastor at one of the local churches there. So I kind of hung out with them a little bit, but that was it. And in high school, I did some mission trips and did some stuff with the church, but that was it. Yep. Uh, it took until we got married and maybe some years after that, that it finally kind of sunk in. Uh, we moved away, and I was that Christian that said, "I don't need to go to church to uh, to be a Christian." I, I don't. Me and Jesus, we have our own agreement. Right. Yeah. And so I always thought I was saved, but I never knew. I never read the Bible. I had no idea about doctrine. I didn't no, I mean, I was as vanilla as they come. Mm-hmm. And my when we moved up to Chicago, my wife's a uh, couple years later says, hey, there's a church that opened up down the street. Let's go. I said, all right, I'll go. I didn't want to, but I didn't go kicking and screaming. So, mm-hmm. But I could tell you that the faithfulness of God still ho- holds true that he will save people and he brings them back from the dead. And he brought me back from the dead because like your story, this church... Uh, he was a uh, Bible toting, Bible preaching, fire spewing preacher, and he, you know, yeah. kicked me right in the face with gospel like the first day we were there. Yep, amen. And it wasn't shortly thereafter that I, you know, was, you know, I, I you know, uh, re- was regenerated. I was, you know, I felt just like the. Whole, the, the the weights came off the eyes and I finally realized what it meant to be a Christian. So, right. Yep. And then wow, after, that is super similar. Yeah. And then after that, it was this, you know, multi-year process to um, dig into scripture, study, and, and uh, now I'm in seminary, obviously, for everybody who knows, and uh, hopefully going to be pastoring soon. So it's a complete radical change in my life. <clears throat> Absolutely. And amen and praise God for that and that yeah. he just... Really, I mean, it, it really is in his sovereignty and faithfulness outside of ourselves that he just kind of grabs us like that, which is yeah. really cool. And and the funny thing is, is I can and I can go and tell people nobody in their right mind is just going to quit their corporate job working in IT to go become a pastor. Right. No, not unless 
God radically <laughs> changes you, or unless you want to like make millions of dollars and be like a fake uh, yeah. pastor, like a mega church yeah. pastor. <laughs> yeah, I do see yeah, maybe that's... some some worldly pull there if that's what you mm-hmm. want. Yeah, no way. Uh, yeah, because it's not. I'm not going in for the money. That's for sure. Uh, Absolutely I, not. I, I, I mean, I'm just looking like you know, I'm looking at my, my stack of books here, just for instance. And I'm like, there's not a single book here that would even allow me to think along those lines of, you know, outside of the bubble of the reformed theology that, you know, I've kind of encased myself into. And I just could not even fathom how, like, like, not to go off topic, but just the, the whole fact of like somebody like Stephen Furtick goes to a sound college probably mm-hmm. read a lot of great theologians yep and then goes and does what he does now so wild he's at he's all this is all that is near me because that's near where i live like an hour yeah. away uh, and it's wild because i actually know people who know him who knew him in real life who when he was in seminary and stuff came and like taught at their camp or school and all said that he was super solid and sound and then to see him now it's really scary to see like the puffed up, I guess he just had head knowledge and then spewed it. And then I don't know, just went off the deep end. Yeah. I've, it's really sad. It is. And I think the, I think pride is a big killer for Christians. Absolutely. And it doesn't matter what, what you call yourself. Pride is a killer. Um, and that's why I've really kind of trying to take a step back from, like I, I read a lot of academic books and I, and I just consume knowledge as I can, but I try not to like display it and I try not to make, I, I don't want to make this podcast about that because it isn't about me and what I know. It's about what God is doing, what is God has taught me and it's right. about God right. and the faithfulness of God on this particular episode. So, yeah. And I actually have, if we have time, I have yeah. two stories about how just how I've tangibly seen um the faithfulness of God in other people's lives right in front of me like people that I either specifically prayed about and how God was so faithful to me I guess in answering my prayers but also to them and reaching out to them um so for example this one's short but one time I pulled over on the side of the road this was in high school this man's car was engulfed in flames and like all the way in flames and he and i we were like the first people to pull over to him and he was crying and saying like i'm homeless like i live in my car and i just lost everything i own basically Mm -hmm. in that car and you know we just gave him the money that we had on us and and prayed for him and um you know he kind of seemed a little strung out so we were worried like don't spend this on drugs or something. <laughs> and so we were praying that we were praying for him. And then I got in the car and, and just prayed that like, Lord, please let him use this to get the things that he needs and the essentials. We were in a big city. We were actually not in my town. Mm-hmm. And two days later, I was back in that big city in Walmart. And I saw that man with a buggy full of things in a random Walmart getting like stuff he needed with that money and remembered us and thanked us. And it was so wild. Um, the person I was with ended up being able to share the gospel with him. And that was just a huge answer to prayer and just so random that we would meet him twice and see him getting, I don't know, the essentials. And then another time when we were at the church, I was talking about earlier, um, there was this man named Randy. He was an older gentleman there was a dog park in our neighborhood. We had a dog. He had a dog. So I met him often and would, you know, try to evangelize to him and, and share the gospel with him. And we have a lot of theology books, lots of like John MacArthur commentaries and mm-hmm. all, all of these things. And, and he, this Randy man was so open and um, was asking so many questions all the time. And I was able to give him so many books on loan and he would drop them back off on our porch. And this was so wild. The pastor of that church, Dr. Carl Brogy, he had just written a book that went on Amazon called are the unevangelized really lost. And it's really to that question of like, 
the untold billions, you know, where people always say like, well, what about those that have never even heard the gospel and die? Like, Mm -hmm. how is it fair for them to go to hell or whatever? So he just wrote a book on it, literally straight off the press. I got it from church. I was holding it in my hand. I was getting out of my car and Randy walks by with his dog and he starts up a conversation and he says to me, you know, like I I, I get all the stuff you're telling me and And I really am interested in Christianity, but I'm just struggling with one question. And of course, what do you think that question was? Yeah. What about all those unreached? (laughs) I have cold chills telling the story. And and I was like, oh my goodness. And I handed him the book and I was like, here, like this answers the question you just asked me. It was, it was insane. So just to see like God really reaching out to people, Mm -hmm. knowing, going before them, knowing what they're going to say, knowing what's on their heart. And he really wants to use the body and Christians to reach these people. And I don't know, it just makes me think of the verse, um, the, the workers are few, but the harvest is great because, you know, if, if you will go out there and, and do it, God will be faithful to you, but also faithful to those that have ears to hear. So, Anyway, it was really cool. It's crazy. Yeah, it's funny because uh, I, my wife is kind of not the most. I love her to death, but she and she'll tell you that she's she thinks she's timid when she shares the gospel, but I don't think so. My wife is this very smart woman, and she she will poke and prod me for some really deep questions mm-hmm. and. And she consumes what I tell her. And right. I've listened to her share with other people. And I'm blown away. I'm like, how do you remember all that? That we talked about that like six months ago. And like, and so yeah. and but it's but she'll tell you she's she sometimes is, can be timid about sharing it. And she shared a story with me. This one kid that she worked with, uh, he's a young guy, and she's a hairstylist. So he was working, I think he was going to school so he was working like the front desk or something it was part-time job and he was in college but he this guy believed in like aliens and uh like like a lot of new age stuff but didn't believe christ and so my wife and him would always have these like conversations and she would share a little bit about the gospel a little bit about it a little bit about it and then like she's telling me then one night she's like i just started talking (laughs) and she's like and it was like 45 minutes straight of me giving him the gospel and I'm mm-hmm. like I'm like that's what it's all about. Yep. That's straight and, up the Holy Spirit. And I was I mean it's just it stuff like that is just it's it brings comfort and solace to me knowing that even today God still works and God yeah. is still in control and he's still faithful to his people. Yep, always from his covenants with Adam and Eve all the way through with Abraham He's always been faithful. In fact, I always, always love thinking about this, but he created like animals, you know, in, cre- in the six days of creation, the day before he created, you know, Adam and Eve. And he created the sacrificial lamb or whatever animal that God used. I know that it was a lamb later in scripture often and obviously symbolic, but whatever animal he used to cover Adam and Eve's sin with, Mm-hmm. He created prior to Adam and Eve, right. knowing that he was going to slay one to cover their sin. I just find the providence and the faithfulness of God in that so fascinating and, yeah. I don't know, comforting to create the means to the sacrifice. And obviously Christ has always been there, but the means to that tangible sacrifice prior to creating what he knew would sin, I just find yeah, and then you get all the the lovely atheists. Yeah, you get all the lovely atheists that'll poke and prod at, well, why did God allow Adam and Eve to sin anyways? And I just come back to the sheer fact that so we can dis- so God can display His glory. I mean, right. even in this sin filled world and all of this, you know, what man thinks is to be disgusting and depravity, you know, and it is. It's all sin, but God understands that, and what right. we get to see are these beautiful stories of God saving his people one by one. Yeah. You know, the, from, you know, your story with those, uh, the gentleman and the dog 
the homeless guy in the car, you know, and, and who knows? I mean, I, I think it was maybe a handful of months later, my wife ended up leaving that company. So yeah. I don't know anything about this kid. I don't know. Maybe she's planting the seeds and 20 years down the later, he'll be saved. Right. Maybe. We, you never know. We never. But I know for a fact that from what I've seen in my life, God is truly faithful and he will always keep his promise. And that's uh, exampled over and over in the Bible. I mean, yeah. it, it's just not this, it's not like a, you know, one or two pieces of scripture and then people have ripped an attribute on it. It's literally from Genesis to Revelation. It is this perfect unpacked story of God's faithfulness. And Right. It's a running theme. And we get it from, you see a lot of it in Genesis after the fall, um, after Adam and Eve, because you know, even in Genesis 3.15, you start to see God's faithfulness that one day he will redeem his people. Yeah. You get Noah at the flood. You get it at Abraham, Moses, Jacob. Um, and then you get into the New Testament. I mean, obviously you get through David and all the kings and the judges and right. all that. Uh, you get... Uh, correct coming obviously that's like the ultimate fulfillment of the promise but then you also get even more on top of that that god will save his people through christ right and is like the, one of the most perfect faithfulness examples that you can get in scripture is that god sent his son to die for us right and and he's faithful even though again so many times in scripture and just in our lives, we are not. He's so faithful. Like think about the Israelites and how faithful he was to them over and over again and how often they turned from him over and over. Now, there was obviously some consequence there, but he was still faithful to that group of people over and over again. And it reminds me of the verse. um, Let's see. I just had it pulled up. Okay. Okay. well, it's a passage, 2 Timothy 2, 10 through 13. For this reason, I endure all things for the sake of those who are chosen so that they are, so that they also may obtain the salvation, which is in Christ Jesus and with the, and with it eternal glory. It is a trustworthy statement for if we died with him, we also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he will also deny us, deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful for he cannot deny himself. And so basically, even though we stray, you know, the, the hymn prone to wonder, wander, um, <laughs> if we're faithless, he still remains faithful because if we are in, if he is in us and he cannot deny himself, so he still will not deny us. Even if we deny him, uh, like, you know, you think about um, the disciple that denied him three times, Peter, but he, still held fast to him and peter is in heaven yeah you just look at uh his redemption in john 21 i mean jesus did not hesitate to i don't want to say discipline but i mean jesus made it pretty clear like hey you know what you messed up but right you know right. what you got a lot of work ahead of you now so let's let's move away from your your embarrassing moments exactly yeah and it's like we're gonna mess up we're gonna wander we're going to deny him in certain ways in our lives and then fall to repentance. And he's going to just what open it, open his arms back up and let us back in because he never left us. Even when we have moments of faithlessness. Yeah. You know, and I think that brings a good small topic to mind. And I, and I get this a lot of times in my DMS. I don't know about you, but um, I, I get these, I get a ton of people and, and God bless these people because they are hurting. Yeah. And they are so shaken by a sin that they may have committed uh, or maybe they've grown cold in their walk uh, or, you know, they just don't quite understand. And in all of this, they they want to blame themselves. They want to say, well, my sin, this, that and the other, you know, I've sinned so that God blah, blah, blah. And what pains me is that they they understand the weight of their sin, 
but they 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 don't they're not looking at the bright picture right in front of them of the faithfulness of God that that sin doesn't matter. Right. Right. That if you understand the weight of it and you're repentant of it and you know, you're not living a lifestyle in that sin and you're constantly bringing it to the feet of Jesus that you don't have to live in that. You know, you know, Jesus says his, his yoke is easy and his burden is light. Mm -hmm. Um, he, he wants to, to hold all those things for us because we're never going to be enough. And so, yeah, I'm with you. I see people struggle a lot with that and with holding guilt. Um, and we just have to remember that he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. Yeah. I was actually just looking at first John one nine. I was just about to say what verse is that? Yeah. Yeah. We, uh, so, to uh, to to uh, turn up the the pot that I like to stir every week. I've been preaching in a Lutheran church, and uh, we at the beginning we'll do an absolution of sin. And contrary to what many believe, the pastor does not have power to forgive sin. Mm-hmm. The pastor is the mediation between which Christ is speaking into the congregation. So I am just a mouthpiece to the congregation telling them, Hey, Christ forgives you of your sins. If you confess, because we recite first John one nine every Sunday, Mm -hmm. if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and who will forgive our sins and uh, purify us from all unrighteousness. Yeah. And I, I think that to me is like one of the verses. Obviously, First John has context, and we need to understand what context is. But at the same time, we see this theme over and over again in right. Scripture. That's that an Christ, applicable verse, right? And even so, like, so what I've been doing this year in in my studies. I don't know if I've told you this, but I've taken the gospel and I read the gospel one chapter a day. For, uh, through the month. And so mm-hmm. I'm in Matthew. So Matthew's got 28 chapters. So 28 days worth of reading. And I usually have two days to kind of not read. And then the next month I start back over chapter one and I go through it. So this year I'll read Matthew 12 times. Yeah. And so in Matthew, there's the, there's a verse of the, uh, the story of the paraplegic and the Pharisees get all mad at Jesus. And Jesus says, well, what's easier? for me to forgive him of his sins or for me to tell him to get up and walk. And then the Pharisees get mad. Jesus says, your sins are forgiven. They get even madder. Then Jesus turns around and says, yeah, go up, you know, take your bed and get up and walk. Jesus does both. Right. And it's like, so you, you, you get this amazing story all throughout the new Testament that Christ is forgiving sins. And it's not just that he's healing people because I think too many times, especially in the charismatic circles and the new age circles, and even, even in some of the, the Protestant churches outside of the charismatic and Pentecostal, uh, people focus too much on the gifts. They focus yeah. too much on, you know, the miracles and to, to side note to this, you know, I read my wife and I were reading through Matthew the other night and I think I read chapters eight through, I don't know, 10 or 11 and, so then she looks at me, she goes, okay, so what do you want me to get out of this? And I'm like, well, I'm not going to write you a sermon. It's 11 o'clock at night, but <laughs> all right, let's do this. So, but you know, and, and one of the things I told her, I said, in this little chunk of text here, you've got a plethora of miracles that Jesus did. And, and if you were to read any of these, I mean, most people are probably going to want to talk about the miracles, but what's underneath all that. And what a lot of people miss is that Christ is forgiving sins. Right. And all of these people far and beyond healing and making the blind see and the lame walk. Right. Because I mean, in the grand scheme of things, the, the, the lame man is going to be lame again one day. If he lives into old, old age, it's not like he's going to perfectly be able to walk until he's dead. If he lives to an old life where the, the person that's going to be made to who Jesus took his blindness his eyesight's going to dim again at some point if he lives to a really old age. So it's not, not really our earthly healing 
um, it's yes, he's healed them to perfection in that moment. But again, in sin and in our, in our earthly bodies, they start to deteriorate, deteriorate from the second that you're born. So they focus so much on their earthly healing and it, they miss the most miraculous eternal healing from the eternal death. Yeah. And think about it. If, if Christ only came to heal and, you know, cure people and perform miracles, then what good is Christ? Right. I mean, because you will, you'll deteriorate again at some point. Exactly. And, and, and even then you're going to die. And then what? Right. And then what? what? You'll have an eternal death if you don't have Christ. And so again, we see the faithfulness breathed out from God from Genesis 1 all the way through Revelation that he is fulfilling his covenant promise. He is, you know, bringing about everything that he told Abraham he would do. He's bringing about everything that uh, Christ told his disciples would happen. And he's still working today. And uh, I I was just looking through some of the scripture that I picked out for to, for this episode. And I love this one. It's from Numbers 23. God is not man that he should lie or a son of man that he should change his mind. He has said, and will he not do it? Or has he spoken and will he not fulfill it? When I think of that, you know, and, and it, this kind of, stems to so much of what I've been talking about in the other episodes is how these attributes function so much together. They are also interlinked, right? See that God is, uh, infinite. We see that God is unchanging. We see that God is always present. He fills every, you know, nook and cranny. He exists beyond our comprehension of measure and he cannot, lie he cannot change he does he is not like us and yet what he has said he's going to do it right and you know it and it's it, it, it just makes me really think too like the people who mock god for instance like i think there's and i what's the scripture if i could pull it up on my machine here uh that those who mock god because he's uh slow to return yeah, I know what verse you're talking about. I'm trying to think. Um, I don't know, but I'll, I also had that verse pulled um, because it, so the two points that I wanted to make sure were reiterated were God does not lie about anything. So like you said, Numbers 23, 19, and then he's totally trustworthy in his promises, which comes from Hebrews 10, 23. His words will always come to pass. Therefore, believers may rely upon his promises. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope that we profess for he, for he who is promised is faithful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel like those two go together. Uh, I found that uh, text at second Peter three, one through 13, the day of the Lord will come. This is now the second letter that I am writing to you, beloved in both of them. I am stirring up your sincere mind by a way of reminder that you should remember the predictions of the holy prophets and the commandment that the Lord and Savior through your apostles, knowing this, first of all, that scoffers will come in the last days with scoffing, following their own sinful desires. They will say, where is the promise of his coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all things were continuing as they were from the beginning of creation. For they deliberately overtook this fact that the heavens existed long ago and that the earth was formed out of water and through the water by the word of God. And that by the means of these, the world that which uh, that w- then existed was deluged with water and perished. By, uh, but by the same word that the heavens and earth that now exist are stored up for fire, being kept until the day of judgment and the destruction of the ungodly. And then there's another five or six verses here but so basically it's like don't mistake god's patience for yeah for him not fulfilling his promises it also reminds me a lot of the days of noah because they say the last days will be like the days of noah but they were scoffing at noah of the judgment to come and were like it's never even rained before and you're saying that it's gonna rain they never had rain and um and then it came upon them swiftly and so 
yeah, it's like he's faithful just because he is patient doesn't mean he's not faithful. Yeah, that's uh, that seems to be the biggest uh, piece these days is that people love to mock and, uh, you know, stir up and, 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 you know, poke fun. Oh, where's, you know, where's God? Why don't we see him? And where, you know, he, it's kind of almost like, you know, when um, uh, Elijah and, and was taken on bail mm-hmm. and uh, he says, you know, where's bail at? He must be on the, <laughs> must be going yeah. to the bathroom. <laughs> yeah. You yeah. And, and you kind of feel like sometimes like that with Christians today that we, you know, we don't really get this answer and we we're just sitting here going, now oh, we're still waiting, but you know, there's reason we're waiting. I mean, right. the gospel is being spread. And and this is the thing that kind of maybe aggravates me about some Christians these days is that we, we get so complacent and then we get irritated when we see these scoffers. Yeah. Well, we know that, you know, God is going to take care of the reprobate. We know that these people have no plans outside of eternal damnation. Right. And that's just, just the reality of scripture. Right. But we shouldn't we shouldn't get lazy in in God's patience either. No, and we should rejoice in God's face patience because thank God he was patient enough for me. You know? Um yes. I'm so glad he was patient enough for me to come to repentance and we need to be thankful that he's patient for other people to gather his church and his body. I mean, we were squirming in our blood, dead in our sins is what scripture says. And he pulled us out and said, live. So mm-hmm. I understand, you know, to die as Christ, to die as Christ. And, um, no, what, what verse am I looking for now? The I'm putting two together. I was going to say to die as Christ and his, what is it to suffer as gain? To live as Christ live and as- to die as gain. Yeah, you can edit that out. To live no, we're going to leave it. <laughs> <laughs> to live as Christ to die is game, but I was also trying to mix that with the verse. What is it? Suffer. To uh, well, Isn't it to suffer as Christ and to die as gain? Or is that not a verse? No, I don't think that's a verse. It's Whatever. to live as Christ and to die as gain. Whatever. Well, you can edit. I'm just kidding. You don't have to. No, we're going to leave uh, it. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, so... I just think that, yes, we, we have two feet in both worlds, um, mm-hmm. one here and then in the eternal world. But we we need God has a plan and he's going to be faithful to that plan. And we need to not sit here and moan and groan about his plan. Yeah. Uh, but uh, the verse you're looking at is Philippians 121. But let me ask you this, because okay. <laughs> I, I hate this saying and maybe it's just me, but I hate when. I think we did an episode on the round table a long time ago with when we were all kind of picking through um, like Buzzfeed words and stuff. And this probably came up, but I can't stand it. And I want your view is okay. uh, uh, don't you worry. God has a plan for your life or whatever they may say, but God has a plan for your life. What are your thoughts on that? Well, it's true, but that they usually try to say that as in, God's plan for your life is like so so much better than it is right now. And, Mm -hmm. you know, that could be false. And also God works all things together for good for those who love him. It's a stipulation. Mm -hmm. It's (laughs) yes, he has a plan. He's going to work all things for good for his glory, but that doesn't mean that things are going to go well with you. Um, anyway, what are your thoughts? I just tell people to look at the life of Paul. Yes, <laughs> exactly. That's exactly what I was thinking about yeah, while I was cause, thinking. Because if God's plan for you is this glorious, fluffy, Joel Osteen life, then you're not serving the God of the Bible. And, and and not to say that you won't have a good life. I mean... Yeah, but that's not promised everyone on earth. Exactly. We're only yeah. promised eternity, um, if you're a Christian, mm-hmm. to have like a peaceful eternity. Right. But we're not promised to not have trial here. And like you said, Paul was shipwrecked in prison multiple times, beaten, murdered. So, (laughs) (laughs) yes, God has a plan, of course. But it doesn't mean Mm -hmm. that it has to be like. I think there has, 
Right. I think there has to be proper context when, when sure. people say that. And I think that goes because I think when we did that, we we picked it apart and we said, well, you can, you know, and not just that, but like a lot of those buzz, BuzzFeed type phrases, like we can rephrase it to make it sound better. We can make it sound more biblical. And right. and I, you know, and that's the premise. But, I, you know, anyways, moving on. Um, Psalm 36, five. I love this. Your steadfast love, O Lord, extends to the heavens, your faithfulness to the clouds. And the Psalms are an amazing staple to God's love, his faithfulness, a, a plethora of his attributes. Yeah. Um, I mean, you just see David and all the people who wrote into the Psalms just pour out their, you know, desire to know God, to reach God, to pursue God, and they poured out their anguish and their pain, and you know that it's just I love the songs. I've become so infatuated with them of late. Yeah, my um the the lady I was talking about, Audrey Brogy, that I want to have that I'm having on my channel soon. She was saying how in times of great grief, like a loss or something like that. I know a lot of times people turn to the Psalms. She would write out one Psalm a day all the way out until she finished it um, during her grieving process. And I really just want to do that just to do it. I would love to write a Psalm a day and just to go through them all. Mm -hmm. um, but I haven't really done it. I've read the Psalms, but I, I do really want to do a deep dig into them because like you said, they're just so packed full and especially of God's attributes. Mm -hmm. I mean, on full display. Yeah. I have a, I have one study on the Psalms and that's it. And it's uh, Luther and the Psalms. I'm going to see if I can look at it really quick. Uh, it's buried in the depths of my bookshelf. That is a terrible <laughs> mess. Oh, well, anyways, it's, uh, um, I'll put it in the show notes. I'll do that for those listening. Cause it's, you know, he went through every single Psalm and wrote out his thoughts on it. I mean, it's, it's at a great little study and I don't think I paid a lot of money for it. I think it may be like 15 or 20 bucks. So, yeah. um, it's a good little book. I would highly recommend it to anybody looking at, uh, you know, kind of starting into, uh, the Psalm studies cause it's, it's a profound, uh, writing, but uh, so as I've promised everybody listening, uh, we want to keep this to around 45 minutes. And so we're at that mark. So, uh, Katie, any closing thoughts, stories, scripture you want to talk about anything off that you want to look at? Um, I do have this last little statement that I can read. Um, we find the Bible emphasizing the faithfulness of God. Scripture lists a number of different ways in which God has shown his faithfulness. First, he is totally trustworthy in everything he says. He's faithful to his word. He does not lie. The Lord is the faithful creator. He's faithful to forgive those who sin against him. Jesus Christ is called the faithful high priest. God's faithfulness is demonstrated in the fact that he will not abandon his people. And finally, he will remain faithful to those who deny him. Because he is faithful, God desires faithfulness from his people. Mm. So I just like that last that last line that, you know, he, he does want us to be faithful to mm -hmm. him because he's faithful to us. And though we fail and in his faithfulness, he forgives us and in his grace that he does desire us to walk faithfully um, with him and to not adulterate him and following him. So anyway, yep. That's those beautiful. are my final thoughts. And uh, I'm going to drop in Isaiah 25, one and just say, Oh Lord, you are my God. I will exalt you. I will praise your name for you have done wonderful things. Your plans formed of old faithful and sure. Amen. Yeah. So, uh, I, it was, it was a lot to digest. I think it was a great episode and I hope people are edified by this and, um, Katie, can you tell everybody where they can follow you again? Um, yeah, on Instagram at the Berean Millennial. That's B-E-R-E-A-N. And then I'm not going to spell millennial for you, but 
<laughs> I had to learn how to spell it with having my account. But anyway, yeah, mm-hmm. thanks for having me. This was yeah. really fun and great and edifying for me. So I hope it was for other people as well. Yeah, it was a blessing to have you. And uh, it was definitely challenging to really make me dig into scripture even more and to appreciate uh, some of the finer pieces that I don't think we always get to appreciate. So, absolutely. Uh, so, that's it for us, ladies and gentlemen. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. I will have the show notes updated with the book. It's uh, Reading the Psalms with Luther. Maybe I'll throw a link to Amazon in there. I've actually gotten pretty good with my show notes. Not really. <laughs> I still suck at them, but I'll get there eventually, I promise. Uh, other than that, that's all I got. Um, Maybe I'll we'll talk some more on the patron stuff when I do a solo episode or I'll do an Instagram live. I don't know. Whatever. So that's it, guys. You all have a great weekend and God bless. Thanks, Alex. Serves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.